0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation.
1: Hello. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. Good to uh, finally meet you.
0: Yes, absolutely. I'm glad we could finally get our schedules to to fit together. And they're well, we do have a sick kid still at home. We, uh, you know. Oh no. Oh, the the uh yeah, the cold that's going around out in the Pacific Northwest now is uh, is a uh, it's mighty. But at least it's not COVID, so you know, there's not. So.
1: Absolutely. Well, I'm actually <laughs> in the Pacific Northwest right
0: now. Oh, nice. Where are you at?
1: I am in Northeast Portland.
0: Oh, okay. We're just over the bridge into Vancouver. Great. Very cool. Awesome. Well, good evening. And uh, thank you so much for agreeing to hang out today on TPQ20. We always like to start off by saying we know who you are, but our audience may be new to you. Uh, So if you were to kind of give the bio that your publicist doesn't have, uh, who would you say you are?
1: Oh, boy. Um... I am a poet, high school dropout, accidental translator. <laughs> um, I am definitely a Californian, but a Californian who often lives not in California. Um, and I am also a avid lover of houseplants. Ooh, nice.
0: Now, how many do you, uh, do? You, are you able to keep them alive?
1: I have do my best to keep them alive. I think my oldest houseplant is older than my marriage. Ooh, um, <laughs> uh, and I'm living in Poland right now. And so I had to find um, surrogate parents for them this year. And so I hope that they are all thriving <laughs> in their new locations. <laughs>
0: Wonderful. So okay, so let's start with the uh, let's start with the high school dropout to accidental translator. Um, As a as an educator for 20 years, uh, congratulations on doing what we tell our students to do. And I taught high school for a very long time and I always told my students, whatever you do, just be good at it. Um, You know, and if it doesn't come with a diploma, it doesn't come with a diploma. Uh, But how do you accidentally become a translator?
1: I love that. Uh if it doesn't come with a diploma it doesn't come with a diploma. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Do yeah. what you feel passionate about. Yeah. Uh that is going and and if you're passionate about it you will learn it very quickly. Right. Much quicker than if you're just sitting in a classroom. Yeah.
0: I've always I've always been under the mindset that you know uh you you get to a certain point where the kids who like I teach, you know, for, forever I taught junior English and, and creative writing in high school. And I always felt like the kids who were sitting in my regular English class of the junior year who just wanted to go build a car. Like, why aren't they sitting in a technical writing class where they can get the skills used to further a career in, you know, auto engineering and mechanics? So it's it never made it. it never made sense to me. I always love the, the European system of you kind of get through your, you know, your 10, your sophomore year. And then there are several countries that say, "Okay, what do you want to do now?" Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I hope at some point we get to a, a place where that's that's possible.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. No and way. because, I mean, as I said, I didn't know that I wanted to do translation, but life life leads, and if you follow your curiosity, you never know where it will lead. Right. <laughs> um. I originally got into thinking about translation, not from studying other languages, but from reading Polish poetry in English translation. And luckily, Polish poetry has uh, some wonderful, wonderful translators like Czesław Miłosz, um, and also has in the past had some wonderful Polish poets living in the United States um, uh, in exile for one reason or another. So I ended up studying with Adam Zawiewski in Houston when I finally decided to go and do my MFA. I really wanted to go there because I loved Polish poetry and English and I wanted to go study with this Polish poet. Um, And that was the year that he started a program called the Krakow Poetry Seminar. uh, And he chose some students to go over for a week, And I thought, they're flying me. They're paying me to go. I might as well stay as long as possible. So I stayed that summer. And that's when I started learning uh, Polish, a little bit of Polish, totally uh, oblivious to how difficult of a language it is. Um, And uh, then everything just kind of snowballed from there.
0: So so then I think, and i'm somebody who is not new to the idea of translations reading translations forever but i'm more and more um, curious about the art of translation so uh you know to kind of ask maybe that that broad-based fool's question how how do you feel that uh or how honest are translations um how close to the how close to the poems themselves do do you get as a translator and i guess we'll start there yeah
1: i love i love the way you phrased that how honest are the translations well i often say that i don't believe in the idea of being faithful to an original mm. especially in the realm of poetry what what does that mean to be faithful uh, does it mean to, if the poem is rhymed, to keep the rhyme? Does it mean uh, if the poem uses an idiom that has some metaphoric meaning? Uh, like in Polish, "nie mam um, zielonego pojęcia. I don't have a green clue. That used to be an idiom that was more common in English, but it's not really now. So what would it mean to be faithful to that idiom? Translating it literally or finding an equivalent idiom. Um, So there's always multiple different things that a translator is trying to bring over and uh, ultimately having to decide what thing is most dominant in any given moment? What thing is needs the priority in order to preserve something that's the most central thing. Uh, I mean, the, the idea of, of fidelity and the faithful translator is this this metaphor that we love to use. Right. But to me, maybe a different metaphor that that gets more at the experience is a musician playing a famous piece of music.
0: Yeah, I was it sounds like really just playing cover songs and being being faithful to the idea of and direction of the song, but maybe not necessarily every phrase and, you know, the solo is not the same and maybe there's a drum beat that varies.
1: Absolutely. And we're also interested in what the uh, musician, how the musician is bringing their own interpretation to the piece of music. Which is that exactly what translators are doing too. We're bringing our own interpretation to this work of literature, and it's going to shift through our own lens, through our own idea of what this poem or this story is doing. It's
0: interesting. There's a um, uh, Stephen Dunn uh, has an essay called "Truth," where he talks about the idea that uh, you know two people's perspectives can be vastly different about us about the same situation but as long as the as long as the end result is the same uh then why does it matter um and i and it kind of sounds like that's sort of kind of what you're saying about it is that you you know you get to as the translator you get to interpret your perspective and you get to maybe update here and there um, but as long as you uh, get to the same end result uh, then then it's okay. Or or I guess maybe I should ask, um, as a translator and knowing that you can have kind of a way to shape your direction, does it have to end the same?
1: Hmm. I'm I'm thinking about that idea of an end result and what that would mean in a poem. Um in a way it's I I'm thinking of what you're talking about as kind of going backwards back through language to the uh moment of thought pre-language and maybe maybe that's the this end result that you're talking about right so uh even an original poem i think of as a translation we're we're putting a thought into this this vehicle of language that is always Always failing us to some degree, uh, which is why it's so fun to play with and and work with because you're trying so hard to communicate this thing that feels like it, it won't it won't fully fit into the vehicle of language, yeah. um, and that's true of then a translation that I might do from the Polish to the English. Ultimately, I I think in my book I would love it if I had the original poem, and 10 different translations of that, even into the same language, like 10 different English translations. And then maybe that might give me a sense of the heart of the original, much more than just reading the original on its own. I love that. I love that.
0: Because it's, yeah, it's the 10 different perspectives on, uh, it's the things that you weren't necessarily thinking when you were writing it that everybody else grabs from it. And I like that. I like that a lot. It's, it's, I found it interesting when I was presented with translations, I think through, you know, through college and then just as, as a reader, I don't think you ever really, I think I always just took the translation as, as it was. And I never really thought about, you know, what was the original like, Um, you know, I, I I studied uh, 16th and 19th century British poetry was was where I headed in college. And and you know, so it's all kind of written as as I can read it. And it's not it's not too far out of the box. So it's, you know, I never really delved into that world of what it takes to translate to translate something and make it still make sense to to you and the original you know, and, and the and the author. Um, do you ever get into a position where there's an argument with the author about the piece you're translating.
1: Ooh, you want you want the nitty gritty dirty. Well, yeah, no, I'm here, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, in a way, I'm lucky. I feel lucky that I translate contemporary poets who are still living. Right. And that was a conscious choice that I made. I wanted to introduce people to poets who weren't necessarily available in English yet. Um and so I can go back and ask them. I I've been lucky to work with poets who understand that I'm writing a poem in English and it needs to work as a poem in English. Um, so sometimes I'll change things up and I'll ask kind of for permission, like is it okay if I change this word, this idea or image here, as let's say I'm trying to write in iambic pentameter in the translation and I have this syllable syllable count I'm dealing with. Um but there have been some moments where I remember this one poem of Tomasz Ruzitsky's that I was I was I was trying to translate it and I honestly just didn't really understand the poem. I was having a hard time building my own reading of what the poem was exploring. Um, And so I finally just like gave up and I went to Tomek and I said, what the hell is this poem about? (laughs) Um, and, And he wrote back and he said, well, this poem is kind of like a secret Masonic lodge. It's about Polish literature and I can't say anything more. (laughs) <laughs> okay <laughs> and then it kind of freed me I was like oh okay so it's this this basically no one can fully understand it was like a very hermetic poem a poem right. that he was just up to his own little thing and it was supposed to be kind of cryptic and so then I could just let it be and feel like you know we don't always have to understand the uh the explicit quote unquote meaning of a poem. I can let it be as a sound experience, as an embodied experience without the rational having to be worked out. Right.
0: What's your, is the process for you the same when it comes to writing your own material and translating? Or is there, is there a way that you have to separate it because in one hand you're writing you know, your thoughts, your original thoughts, but on the other kind of as we've been talking you're sort of still writing your own, your original thoughts for for the translation so do you have to compartmentalize or do you you know where do you live mostly
1: mm, mm, i like that question um i i do feel like i live in both worlds all the time but i tend to be very project oriented so i like to work on one project and finish it and then move on to another project. So I'm kind of switching back and forth, book to book. Right. Um, but I will, for example, if I'm working on some of my own poems and really tearing my hair out, it's a perfect time to switch to translation because I'm still getting to work with words and this, this medium that I love but it's not so angsty. You know, like when you're writing your own poem, you're thinking, oh, what, what the hell am I even trying to say here, right? It's a, it's kind of a soul searching and, and figuring out what you think through the process of writing. With translation, the, the thought is already constructed for me. Like and I still have poem. to like figure out what I think the way I am understanding that thought, but I'm not having to do so much searching of what is this, what is this thing? Yeah. So
0: where does your initial love of poetry come from? Uh, When you were a kid, was there a, you know, a catalyst poet? Uh, Was there a a book you read or somebody read to you where you found that you just truly loved words?
1: Mm. Uh, I was... The weird kid and memorized poems from an early age. <laughs> um, my my hippie back to the lander parents would take us backpacking into the Yalobali wilderness. And uh, one way to pass the time to distract ourselves from how heavy our packs were is to recite the Jabberwocky uh, or recite the Walrus and the Carpenter. I memorized that entire thing when I was in fourth grade. Um, So certainly that that love of words was there. Um, But, you know, if I'm being honest, I'd say I spent a long time trying to talk myself out of poetry, saying it's not practical. um, I almost became a math major in college. Ooh. I couldn't decide between math and English. Um, but but I loved math because of how the idea of beauty in math, that you could have a proof that was beautiful, and you could have a proof that got to the same answer that was not beautiful.
0: Oh, I love even
1: there, I was interested in, in elegance and beauty in, in the medium of math. Um, Uh, but then you just always kept coming back, you know, money be damned, money (laughs) be damned.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So then how do you go from, I've got to ask, how do you go from, from high school dropout to, you know, doctorate program Uh, where, you know, what brought you, what brought you back to the world of like, Academia versus just kind of going with it on your own.
1: Yeah. Well, more recently, I've been realizing that it was junior college, Mm. that going to a wonderful junior college in Santa Rosa, California, saved me. I dropped out of high school because I was bored. Yes. I was so bored. And I didn't see the point then. school. Um, So it wasn't that I didn't want to learn or wasn't curious or intellectually minded. um, But, but I just didn't, I wasn't feeling challenged or excited. Uh, So going to a junior college, I was suddenly in classrooms with people from all different walks of life from all different ages, and getting all these new perspectives um and and so both the classes that's where I discovered poetry was and Richard speaks' class in junior college, um, but also getting those perspectives from a broad range of other adults as a sixteen year old. Um, I think that really opened up the world um and showed me that there there was a reason to go. Uh, and study something at a college. Uh, I also went to Reed College here in Portland. Oh, yeah. uh, and luckily, it's a kind of weird college that will take someone who didn't have a traditional path. Right. Um, so, Reed, I finally felt at Reed that I was being challenged and kind of finding people who also loved learning for the love of that excitement and the inele- intellectual pursuit
0: love that it's it's a really that's a really cool story and you don't hear a lot of you don't hear about a lot of students who find their way back very quickly or find their way back with purpose and I like that idea that junior college was what you know kind of reminded you that this is this is an okay thing and that was that adult added adult perspective Uh, because that's it's huge to know people in the real world are doing the same things and going through the same struggles it's that's a nice a nice little like piece of that puzzle.
1: Um,
0: So you have just put out a brand new book. Uh, Congratulations. uh, Seriously, congratulations on Territorial. Uh, This is is awesome. Um, And you know, you you have a quick turnaround too, because I know you've got a translation coming out in in a handful of months as well. Um, So but let's talk about Territorial uh when did you start because you said you're very project-based so when did you start territorial I always like to ask timeline questions so when did you start to when did you finish that
1: Mm -hmm. yeah um so I if I look at the earliest poem in the book that would be the leech pond and that poem I wrote uh probably seven years ago okay but It was mainly that's kind of the only early poem that's in the manuscript, and then I turned to other things. um, And when I came back to thinking about putting a book together. uh, I realized that I wanted to argue against the leech pond uh, that I no longer believed what that poem was arguing, or I realized that it was setting out some dilemmas or questions that I really wanted to explore more. Oh, so the bulk of the book I wrote uh relatively quickly, I'd say I was working on it maybe for uh 3 years, the last 3 3 years. Okay. Um and and then one of the final poems that I wrote is the palinode. And it are it, the palinode is a poem in which a poet takes issue with an earlier poem that they've published. And so that's me then taking issue finally with the leech pond poem and coming to a different uh, understanding of some of the dilemmas that that the book is is thinking through.
0: That's really cool because I I ask a lot of poets, you know, uh, how has your voice changed? You know, do you have the same ideas and opinions as you did when you started the book? So it's interesting to see that you really didn't have the same understanding of, of what it was supposed to supposed to be, air quotes, you know, when you started it. So that's that's really it's it's fun to hear an answer like that because I don't I don't hear that very often. Usually, you know, the voice doesn't change very much or there's, you know, a very short amount of time in that. But even three years is a long is, you know, it is a long amount of time to to work through, you know, one project. Um, so to know that really your mind did change through that whole process is really that's really fascinating um what are you most excited about for this book
1: oh uh i've i've been on tour for the last week and I have another two weeks left. So I'm, I feel like I'm just suddenly immersed in this book. There's always a, a lag time between when a book is, when you sign a contract and then the book comes out. So I'm kind of re-entering the book, even from yet another slight different perspective or, or a moment in time. Um, and I think I'm, I'm really excited for the wide range of people who I've, I'm seeing it touching. I just did a an event in Austin at the book festival there. And um, these two young women came up after the reading and they bought the book and were really excited to have me sign it. And they said, this is the first time we've been to a poetry reading. And we're just so excited to go to more, it was amazing. And seeing seeing the book reach the audience in a way that I intended it for, the audience in particular is it's dedicated to my girls, uh, and it's meant for women of all ages first and foremost to say, I let's I recognize what it's like to live in a in a female form in a patriarchal society. Right and let's share our stories. Um, but I think it's also intended for everyone to think about how, why is it that this trope of predator and prey in relation to gender violence, it keeps getting perpetuated. How are we perpetuating it? And is there a way to to think ourselves out of it, to write ourselves out of it? I feel like I ended up in a very, different place from the beginning of your question. but <laughs> hopefully right. I answered it.
0: No, absolutely. absolutely. All right, to sort of wrap things up, who are you excited about right now? Who's out there that you are reading? Um, and then uh, what uh, I guess I, I would say what's coming up for you, but you have a book out, but what is coming up for you in
1: 2023? Yeah. Um, I'm really excited for the new ViV Francis book. That's coming out soon, um, and I just I feel like the the uh, terrain of contemporary American poetry is just so rich that there's uh, my my book list is incredibly long. I'm always finding uh, new things to read, um, but I just saw that the cover of Ivy Francis's book that was just just out. So that it's at the top of my of my brain right now. I'm also just finishing uh, reading for the um, jury, on the jury for a selection, uh, a, a new award that the National Book Critics Circle oh. is uh, doing for the first time this year for translated literature.
0: Oh, well, that's awesome. Very cool.
1: Yeah. And so there's so many great things. It, it's cross genre, it's all genres for one, one award. So I've been reading poetry and fiction and uh, uh, so many things. I will recommend a wonderful graphic novel Mm -hmm. called Mr. Lightbulb. And it's a Polish author translated by a wonderful translator, Antonia Lloyd-Jones. I don't read that many graphic novels, but it's fabulous. It's a poem. It's totally a poem. Um, And then I have another new translation coming out with Archipelago next year called To the Letter. And it's a collection of 99 poems by Tomasz Ryzycki, who I've translated before. And the thing that I love about that book is that it centers love. Mm. It's interested in or it's really tracing the speaker's search for love and search for connection uh, that will lead lead 21st century human beings out of a sense of loneliness and despair. Um, so it was it was a challenging but really rewarding book to translate, and I'm excited for for everyone to get to read it.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me today, NTPG20. I really really appreciate your time, and I look forward to sending more people your direction. Uh, so thank you so much, and uh, have a great rest of the evening
1: thank you yeah it was great to talk poetry and translation Absolutely. and I hope it gets other people thinking about all the ways that we translate oh I know um, for as well yeah and uh, yeah have, you have a great evening awesome thank you so much alright bye bye
0: thank you for listening to the poetry questions TPQ20 please like rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.